It's about enabling, empowering, coaching, and then making sure that you're on the same page with those that you're leading, that they're working on the things that will ultimately, they will see a positive impact, so they'll have success. You also want them working on some things where you make sure they're learning. Hey guys, welcome back to Beyond High Street. David Schwab with you again on the pod. Brian Nickel, CEO of Chipotle Mexican Grill. He's driving strategy and performance for Chipotle's 2,400, that's right, 2,400 plus restaurants in North America and Europe. Our conversation jumps from how he focuses on executing present day work to thinking about long term and what's next in the restaurant business to his path at Miami and his engineering degree and learning across a number of different subjects and the liberal arts education Miami gives to how he got his first internship that led to his first job. It's actually a funny story. Listen to it in the pod about walking up to the bookstore to get a Princeton Review book on best places to intern. Pretty funny. And then a deeper chat on problem solving and how he learns and his mindset and what's needed for innovation as well as how to deal with tough decisions and conflicts. And definitely stick around for the close when I ask him about his favorite go-to place uptown outside of Chipotle, of course. Hope you enjoy the pod. I'm in a uh, restaurant slash retail business that's an everyday business. So, you know, we probably spend, and I know I probably spend, you know, two-thirds of my time making sure we're executing today against the strategies that we know will drive the business, build our culture, and, you know, hopefully result in our employees being more engaged, more excited about the work they're doing right now. And then I'd probably say, you know, a third of my time is spent on, okay, well, what's next? And what do I mean by what's next? Kind of the things that are right around the corner and some of the things that, you know, you need to be contemplating that could be a couple years away, but uh, it makes sense to at least start the dialogue or the conversation to understand what's the application to our business. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how I would say my daily, weekly uh, schedule really is how I spend my time. Um, You know, and then there are those occasions where you specifically say, you know what, we're going to spend a day on what do we think the next five to 10 years looks like for our category or consumers. Um, but those are like, you know, specific moments where you bring in external partners or thought leaders to hear about what's kind of out in the distant future. Yeah. And and the change for you in in that two thirds moment there of, executing uh, by day following a, str- a long-term strategy as you've grown in your career from P&G days up till now and, you've, and you're probably doing less of the day-to-day execution and, and a large team that's able to do that, the, the value there of teamwork and leadership uh, and how that's changed throughout your career. Yeah, sure. You know, obviously, the, uh, as I've moved up in the organization, uh, the action of actually doing the work versus, you know, empowering the work, supporting the work, coaching around the work, um, you know, that has changed dramatically, right? When I started out as a assistant brand manager at Procter & Gamble, you know, I was showing up at the office, pulling the data, synthesizing the information, you know, flying down to the plant, um, 
you know, connecting with the agency, uh, connecting with cross-functional partners, you know, every day, that's what my day was. Versus as I moved from my career, you know, you just start to get more into a place where it's about enabling, empowering, coaching, uh, and then making sure that you're on the same page with those that um, you're leading, that they're working on the things that will ultimately, they will see a positive impact, so they'll have success. Um, you also want them working on some things where you make sure that they're learning. So, you know, uh, you need to give people the room to experiment, iterate, um, and then, you know, sometimes learning uh, results in a little bit of failure, which isn't a bad thing. Um, I think it grows them as a leader, it grows them as an employee, and then obviously it benefits the organization as well. And as you picked up some of those coaching and leadership skills along the way, how much of that is uh, self-taught or are there uh, mentors, role models, different ways you learn that you can point to that have helped along the way? Yeah, I, I would say, look, I've had some great managers along the way and then you've had, uh, you know, not so great managers. And you learn in both of those experiences of what got me excited about coming to work, what got me excited to put more of myself out there. Um, and you know, the ones that, uh, I think really got more out of me are the folks that I would say ended up becoming mentors and, uh, folks that every now and then I think back to, you know, how did they handle that situation? What did I learn from it? Um, you know, and I, I lucked out, I had some great managers early in my career at Procter and Gamble. Um, which really, you know, they gave me the freedom uh, to really, you know, take a step out of just doing the day-to-day work and uh, bring forward <clears throat> bring forward creative ideas and say, okay, if you've got an idea that sounds sounds like a good one, go make it happen. And uh, you know, I, I loved the fact that I had people that trusted me to do that early in my career, and I think that's probably the biggest thing. You know, they cared enough and they trusted me. Um, to present opportunities where not everything went as I had hoped, but a few things did go my way. And, uh, you know, the whole business benefited and, you know, I obviously benefited personally. And you touched on P&G. How does one go from a college senior in Oxford studying engineering to the brand management program over there in Cincinnati? Yeah, you know, look, uh, that was one of those... This is kind of a funny story <laughs> because, um, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with my folks. It was my junior year, and, uh, you know, my dad's like, hey, you should think about what you're going to do this summer between your junior and senior year. He's gonna, I'm going to sound really old here, but, like, I had to walk up to the bookstore, and I bought the uh, Princeton Review uh, on America's Top 100 Internships. <laughs> And I, this is going to sound even more old school. I actually typed up letters and mailed them uh, to, you know, Procter & Gamble, Goldman Sachs, McKinsey, you know, Bain, BCG, uh, GE, you know, all the, what I consider top-tier places sure. um, to work. And, you know, um, it worked out where a few of those folks responded back to me and then even Further, Procter & Gamble was coming to Miami's campus uh, because they had a recruiting program there. Um, and so, long story short, uh, when I got into the P&G interviewing process, it really came more about 
critical thinking skills, how do you approach problem solving, um, you know, because they had the belief that we can teach you um, kind of the marketing 101, and, uh, but we, we want people that, you know, uh, appear to have leadership potential, have good critical thinking skills, and can bring people along with their thinking. And, you know, so they gave me a shot with an internship, and, uh, you know, I, I said yes, and, you know, uh, luckily that was one of the better decisions I made. Um, and actually, probably the best decision I made is I walked up to the bookstore, bought a book, and wrote some letters um, to figure out what I was going to do that summer. And where in that process did you realize b- before walking up to the bookstore that engineering wasn't going to be the path? Or maybe it would, but this was just a place to start looking for the internship. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I had kind of decided I, I didn't want to do the uh, plant route um, or the kind of the traditional engineering route. So I, I was really thinking, you know, what can I do either in consulting uh, or what can I do with, you know, these problem-solving skills that um, would maybe take me out of the non-traditional engineering path. Mm. Um you know, and it was just, I'd gotten some exposure to what some of those traditional jobs were. And I was like, you know, I could do it, but I wasn't uh, fired up about it. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I always tell this to folks. I'm like, look, um, it's, it's great if you can find early in your career the things that really get you excited. And, um, you know, I remember when I was at Miami, I took a class on economics. And, uh, you know, I also took a marketing class. And I just liked... Uh, the whole idea of human behavior and how incentives and the psychology of things impact people's behavior. And I was like, you know, I want to do more of that uh, as opposed to, you know, uh, some of the traditional engineering um, roles that you came out of. So I, I would say it's a couple professors, a couple classes that opened my eyes to what are other types of work. And then I said, you know what, how do I find uh, some experiences in those places to Hopefully, maybe move my career that way. Yeah, and when you you think back to Miami and those professors and classes, I I hear a lot when doing this that Miami uh, gave, certainly me too, the opportunity to learn, and then it's up to the individual then to go do it. Uh, What do you you take as the, the big takeaway from four years at Miami that it gives you the opportunity to do and the miss if you don't do it? Yeah, right. Well, look, I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about my time in Miami was even though I was in the engineering program, uh, you know, you could still take, um, you know, a marketing class in the business school, an economics class in the business school. Um, I don't know if they still do the Miami plan now, but, uh, you know, it just gave me the opportunity to take classes that were completely out of my traditional discipline, um, which helped me realize hey, you know what? I'm really interested in these things. Like, I'm excited to go to uh, the next economics class with, you know, Professor Jerry Miller. I'm excited to go to the next marketing class with, you know, Jan Taylor. I I remember these folks still 20-plus years later. Um, And, you know, it was those types of classes. And even, you know, I had a great professor in engineering, this uh, Dr. Atuni, you know, and I remember talking to him about saying, like, man, you know, I like the coursework and I like, um, how I'm learning in here, but I'm not sure this is the profession I want to take. And he was the one that encouraged me. He's like, well, you should be taking some other classes to find out how you can take these learning skills and apply it into other disciplines. And, 
you know, when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, um, you know, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I was going to Miami trying to figure out how to get, uh, you know, good grades and, you know, uh, enjoy being independent. Um, so, you know, I, I think those opportunities are really powerful. And then you're exactly right, though. It's They can only provide so much learning and uh, opportunities. You have to then take the action to go do it. And uh, you got to be willing to say, you know what, I've never done this before, but I think I'm capable. I've got some things that I can draw on to be effective and uh, be open to the learning process, you know, both in the job as well as the academic environment. Hmm. And, and then two, two thoughts, really two final thoughts here on present day in terms of innovation and how, uh, how, how to teach your brain and to think differently or a little bit with some more abstract thinking. And then two, um, dealing and facing with problems that we all interact with every day, professionally, personally, um, just but the, yeah. the skill set of that too. Yeah, sure. So look on the innovation side of things, I think that the, the fundamental piece of the puzzle there is you have to have a high level of curiosity and you also have to have a high level of discomfort with, you know, uh, the status quo. And, you know, one of the things that's so great uh, with where we are with technology today is it really presents the opportunity for you to do small scale experimentation and find out whether or not these ideas have any legs. Um, you know, and as I mentioned our organization here, innovation happens everywhere. You know, everybody likes to point to the big thing, um, you know, whether it's a new product or a new marketing campaign, but, you know, we're trying to have a culture where whatever your area of discipline is, you should be figuring out how you can innovate and be better than we were, you know, last week or six months ago. And uh, I think sometimes people get intimidated, but there's two words that seem to intimidate people in business, strategy and innovation. And, uh, you know, as I remind everybody, look, strategy is just the choices that we choose to make. Um, and then we go execute those choices, but we have to have the courage to listen to the feedback and, you know, you may find some of those choices are wrong, but the best strategies are the ones that are definitive in the choice and then act and execute on the choice. Um, so that, you know whether or not you're winning, losing, you know, going forward, going backwards, standing still. And then on innovation, everybody, I think, has a pressure of, like, how do I innovate like, uh, you know, Apple did with the Apple iPhone? And it's like, yeah, look, it'd be wonderful to have the next iPhone, but that's, that is, you know, once-in-a-lifetime type innovation. I think organizations need to encourage the idea of every day you have the ability to innovate, and it's really grounded in the idea of, what could we be doing to be better? Uh, and what can we do with the learnings and the feedback that we're getting so that we're innovating off of that information, synthesizing that information? So that, that's kind of the approach I've taken my whole career, professional career. And when I've had the opportunity to lead organizations, that's the type of culture I'm trying to create. Uh, we're a strategic organization that will execute against those choices. And then we're an organization and culture that should believe that we have the ability to be better every day. Mm. Uh, and then in regard to your second question about you know, how do you deal with issues and conflict? You know, I, I think one of the uh, mistakes people make today because information is so free flowing is they don't actually get all the information. 
I think they have this belief that they've got all the information. Um, and the reality is you actually haven't taken the moment to listen to what the whole situation really is. And in some cases, as a result, people act incorrectly and too, um, too premature. Um, and I, one of the things I always try to do is like, hey, let's make sure we've got the full context on this issue. Uh, in today's environment, that doesn't mean you have weeks to collect this information. I mean, you probably have a couple hours to collect the information, but you gotta be making sure you're getting the information so that the issue really is covered, you know, 360 degrees. So that, you know, again, you're gonna make a choice on how you're going to respond to this. Um, and the good news is, there's a lot of information out there. I think the problem is people usually only listen to the information they wanna to listen to. Uh, so it paints the issue one-dimensional when the reality is no issue is one-dimensional. Um, so the faster you can get more comprehensive context, I think the better your ability is to handle the issue at hand. Um, and the good news is there's lots of ways to get that information today. Yeah. And in closing, I normally ask people when they get back to Oxford, obviously you close your eyes and, and you think about all the different spots on campus you want to go visit. And I normally ask people yeah. wh wh where they stop at first to get food. I mean, you now have a restaurant, your own restaurant in town. So I'm gonna, uh, we're going to put that one aside for a second. Right. Well, yeah, after I visit Chipotle, where do I go next? Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I get that, <laughs> which, wasn't there when you, which wasn't there when you and I were in school. Um, no. Wh wh where do you go second? You know, uh, look, I, I, I love the days of going to Bagel and Deli and, uh, you know, for the cool jewel. And then, uh, I also love the days of going to Mac and Joe's for those, uh, the big beer. I think they were like called the big Bubba beers and, uh, the hot wings. Yeah. Um, those were two of my favorite spots, but now that we have kids, whenever we go back to campus too, they, they love to go to Skipper's. Um, they like those Skipper fries. What a great closing sentence there from Brian on where he would go outside of Chipotle. A number of different places in there. And if you close your eyes and you're a Miami alum or student, you can think about every one of those food decisions on campus. Miami University should be really proud. Brian's done an incredible job throughout his professional career and certainly what he's done most recently with Chipotle. He's a visionary and innovator and a world-class leader. And everyone who listens to this pod hopefully can learn from it. His problem-solving skills, his mindset, how to innovate, and that discussion on conflicts and problems. Hope everyone has a great day. See you in Oxford real soon. Make sure to stop by Chipotle.